Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Struggle Creates Strength. Struggle Creates Strength is a mental health platform exemplifying that everyone has a story. I always say that no two stories are the same, but every story has the potential to help someone else. Now in today's episode, we are joined by Ryan Stevens. Ryan is joining us all the way from Swansea in the United Kingdom. And as some of you know, I recently had another person on from the United Kingdom and Frankie and Ryan both attempted the 100 mile race in Swansea together while they advocated mental health. And this was amazing putting both of these podcasts together and following along their journey and getting to know both of them from a personal level and hear their stories. I was just amazed. And as a lot of you know, and as I talk about all the time, I'm always blown away by people's stories when they come on because I obviously know what we, what we all kind of see in public and what we get to almost get to imagine that these people are, but hearing their stories and hearing the, the depths of their stories was amazing. And especially when I got to talk to Ryan in this episode, you'll, you'll really see what I mean by everyone has a story because I got to make up this picture of what I thought he was like and what I thought he stood for. And he obviously did all of those things, but there was so much more behind him and behind his story than I knew. And it just, it amazes me. This episode amazes me. And I know it'll amaze you as well. He talks obviously about his mental health journey and some of the hardships he's encountered in his life and the path that he took to get to where he is now. And it blows me away <laughs> to say that where he is now is, is not always where he was. And he definitely had a different path than most have taken and an exciting one at that. And just being able to hear his story, being able to hear him talk and hearing all of this firsthand, just, I feel so humbled and so honored. And I thank Ryan for coming on and sharing his story and being a part of this movement. And ultimately just for him advocating mental health and how he does with ideas, with beers. And I just, it's amazing truly is amazing. And I hope that everyone enjoys this episode with Ryan. I hope you can reach out to him and just send some love his way as well. I think it's, it's awesome. Anytime that the people who share their story get to connect with the listeners, it's, it's always an exciting and, and great experience. So I thank Ryan. I thank all of you for listening. I thank all of you for sharing the podcast, for sharing the episodes because again, you never know who may be struggling. You never know who may need to hear one of these stories. But now, enough of me talking. Let's jump right in to Ryan's episode. Hello, my friend. How are you? <laughs> good. How are you? Very good. Very good. So I'm struggling to get on then. <laughs> no worries. No worries. Yeah. It was, uh, well, I guess before anything, I just want to, again, thank you for this, for this opportunity, for organizing this. For making all of this work especially with time frames and time zones it's it's never easy but it's always very beneficial obviously and very exciting even for myself so i just i want to thank you for coming onto the podcast 
And thank you for asking me. And uh, I know it's, what, 5, 6 a.m. for you at the moment. So, yeah. yeah, so thank you for getting up nice and early to uh, to accommodate for the time zone. Of course. Difference. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, yeah, there's there's no issue with that for myself. I, like when I was when I was even thinking about it, I was never like, oh, my gosh, I'm dreading 6 a.m. I was like, oh, my gosh, let's get to 6 a.m. It was, it was one of those excitement factors because, I mean, even just from the little things that, um you did cover last time when we spoke mm-hmm. I just know that this is a story that I personally am so invested in I want to hear the whole nine yards <laughs> of it because yeah you have an insane story from even just from what I've seen and heard so yeah mm-hmm. I mean I'm just thrilled for it thank you <laughs> let me know when you well, well where you want me to start <laughs> oh my god well I mean yeah, hey, yeah like I mean one one thing that I do want to even just say again, though, before I kind of allow you to jump into your story is yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going to pump your tires a little bit. And it's just because I just am so blown away and also just so thankful for the ways that you've abdic- advocated mental health in you just even, like in Swansea as well, but um, just in general and just what you've proven to people and what you've proven that's possible while doing it and while spreading such an important message um, for somebody that obviously has struggled in my past. I just, I truly do thank you for that because I know what a difference it is making in people's lives. And even just the, the overall personality that you possess on an, on an everyday, but also that you allow people to see on social media it, it definitely boosts people's energy. And I know personally for myself, when I see all your, your stories and everything, I just, I get excited and I'm like, Oh my gosh, this guy's doing something cool. I, I should be, I should be out trying to organize a, a, a C dip as well. But I mean, yeah, I just, no, I, I, I commend I really, you. Really appreciate that. No, I, I, I really appreciate that actually. No, thank, thank you. It's nice to, it's nice to hear that. Cause like you said, I think, uh, I, I've been caught up in doing doing it for so long. I think, you know, I know why I'm doing it, you know, and, and that's the, the main thing. But also, you know, when you kind of hear that from somebody, um, you know, it's, it's nice, actually. It makes me realize that, yeah, you know, I, I am doing what I'm supposed to be doing on, on the right path. So I, I, pre- I really appreciate that. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And now I guess it probably is a good fitting time to actually hear how you got into all of the stuff that you've been doing. But... I mean, best way to do it is by by sharing your story from kind of where it begins. And I just want to give you that platform to to openly just share your story. Thank you. Uh, well, <laughs> so when I was born, uh, no, I'm joking. I'm not going to go that far back. <laughs> um, so I mean, my kind of story in terms of you know, if we talk, we're talking about you know, we're talking about struggle, really. You know, and talking about the. The, where, where all the, the lessons started, I'd say, you know, because, you know, we, we, you know this as much as I do. I think when you are experiencing struggle, when you're experiencing emotional pain or physical pain, that's when the growth happens. And uh, we, don't, we don't always see that at the time because we're caught up with the pain and, the, and how we feel in the moment uh, and, you know, our emotions and things, which is, which is natural. But then when we look back on it, we realize that those are the greatest you know, growth periods that we have in our life. And I'd say for me, when I was in school, so um, I was, 
you know, it was it, I was bullied uh, for around two years. Now, uh, I don't know if in, in Canada you use the word banter. Yeah, you know what I mean by banter anyway. You know, so like yeah, someone yeah. taking the mech for a bit, yeah. Um, I don't know if it was just a UK thing then. Honest, <laughs> but, uh, the... Um, you know the, the the people who I was friendly with in school and things they would have said it was it was banter. But when it gets to the point where you don't want to get up in the morning, you don't want to go to school. You you know I, I actually tried changing schools uh, when I was fifteen, so I only had like one year left, uh, and I I tried changing, and you know my parents were like, well, why do you want to change? You know your friends are there, you've only you've got a year left. But obviously day to day I was going through hell, and I just you know. I just, I, I hate the, I was, I was in a bad place mentally, but at the time, you know, mental health, mental health awareness, you know, we're talking 12, probably, yeah, 12 years ago now, it was nowhere near as, as, um, more, as talked about as what it is today. So I didn't actually know what anxiety was, you know, I'd heard of depression, but I don't think I'd ever heard of anxiety at that point. Plus I never knew how to recognize depression. I had no idea what these things were and what they looked like. Um, you know, and I, I wouldn't say I had either at that point, but I definitely had a lot of stress and, you know, and depressive thoughts at that point. Now, that was, it, it was difficult and challenging to deal with um, because I was internalizing it. I was taking everything they were saying on board and thinking, yeah, you know, what they're saying is true, you know, and I started to I, adopt um, these particular belief systems about myself which obviously weighs in on self-confidence and self-worth and took quite a lot of time after you know, a good few years afterwards for me to really overcome, to get through, you know, get past all of those thoughts and beliefs that I'd adopted. And then I'd say after, when I, when I went to college then, so I was 16, you know, 16 going on 17, I went to college and all of a sudden in my head, I was like, right, this is a fresh start because I'm going to be around people now who they, they, they haven't heard all the banter and the, you know, the way the people have treated me in the past. So I can re rebuild and start anew, start fresh around new people. And that's exactly what happened. You know, so I was going, I went to do engineering. I didn't really enjoy that. Then I, I, the second year I went to do business, did that for two years in college. And I was around people, you know, different people, some which were on my wavelength, some that weren't, but I was finding for the first time ever, I wasn't trapped with those same friends, I was able to choose a little bit, you know, who I actually associate with, which is a really a powerful tool. Um, but then when I was 90, I, I ended up doing another course in college then uh, called an entrepreneurship, the Entrepreneurship Academy of Wales. And it taught you all about how to set up a business, right? And I absolutely loved this. So this was the first time where I was really around people who, um, who resonated with me, who I, you know, I, I like we were always talking about ideas, talking about uh, you know things we were interested in, and and you know talking about what business we could set up. You know, it was it was a very inspiring environment to be in, uh, and I just loved it. You know, I found that was the first time where I felt this unbelievable sense of energy. You know, to want to do something, to be creative, to uh, you know to go out there and achieve something for myself. And I, I it was the first time I really thought, do you know what? I'm on a, the right sort of path here. You know, there's a fir the first time and it gave me a lot of confidence in myself uh, to think, you know, I'm doing something here that nobody else from my school is doing. Um, I ended up setting up a tattoo studio then at the age of 19. So that wow. was after that course. Yeah, it was, it was young, you know, it's like, when I look back now at like 19 year olds, like around the area, I'm like, shit. I'm like, because I, I do, I do find that, 
you know, when you're 19, you are still, I don't, I don't want to say immature, but, you know, you haven't grown up, uh, uh, you know, to, to the extent as when you're in your mid-20s. I think you really start to, that's when you start to, um, you know, kind of adopt that more adult mindset, I think. But, you know, I, I was thinking 19, uh, to do that, I was like, that's quite, you know, quite crazy because no one else around me was doing that at that point. And it was, I think it took a lot of people by surprise, which to be fair, you know, from a very egoic standpoint, it kind of, it gave me a confidence boost, you know, because I thought, you know, I'm doing something no one else is doing here. And like I said, even though that's an, an ego driven way to look at it, it was from, you know, going through the stuff in school, I thought, you know what, this is actually something, you know, positive that I, you know, I, I, I've created. And in the process of doing that, you know, I remember a lot of my mates, they just kind of laughed me out of the house when I, uh, one of my mates' houses when I was talking about it and saying, oh, you know, I'm going to set up this business. It's going to be amazing. And, you know, all this different stuff. And I walked out of the house. I was nearly crying because they, they got really like thing about it because um, they just couldn't see how it was going to happen. You know, one or two were, you know, were, were supportive, but the rest were really like, you know, quite, um, you know, quite, quite thing about it. And I thought, no, nah, you know what? Fuck this. I, you know, even though, even though it was, uh, you know, it, it weighed in on me when I was there and the way they spoke to me about it, it did weigh in on my mindset and my ability to, to do it. It took me back, you know, to the school days when I thought, oh, you know, am I able to achieve this? And the self-doubt kicked in. But anyway, two weeks after that, we got the keys for the shop and two weeks, another two weeks after that, we were in there, we were painting it, we were decorating it. Uh, and, you know, around about the same time, some of the same people were asking for discount on tattoos, you know, and it was kind <laughs> of, uh, you know, that was that was nice because all of a sudden then I not only proved to myself that I could do something, you know, do something great, do something different. But I proved to a lot of other people as well, you know, people who had previously doubted me, you know, and, and that that so that was that's not a sustainable way to motivate yourself when you're looking at, you know, just proving people wrong. But it's a you know, it is a good starting point. It's a powerful driver for a lot of people if you want to make changes. You know, if you're trying to prove people wrong, it can it can get you it can get you off the start line, just so to speak. But anyway. Now I had that business for around two and a half years, but you know, for the year, first year it was great. You know, we were earning good money. You know, we had the status of being business owners, me and my business partner, and you know, it was really, really good. It was boosting for my self confidence and all of that. But then all of a sudden, you know, things started to go sour. Um, you know, there was a lot of stuff that was going on in that business at the time, which um, caused me to experience very depressive thoughts. Um, and I would say probably a mild depression. I, I'd like to say mild. I don't like to say full whack depression because I've worked with people since who, you know, can't leave their house because of, you know, how, um, you know, uh, how, how much of a hole they're in, essentially. Mm-hmm. And I and I was never that bad. So I don't like to say it was full whack depression because I don't want to take away, you know, anyone else's struggle and, and take anything thing away from that. But I would say I was going through a really bad period. And... I was drinking quite often, so I would be going out, you know, going, going out on a, on a Wednesday night, student night, going out on a, a Saturday or a Friday, and then all of a sudden, you know, I was like, oh, it's Yates Karaoke Bar in Swansea's, you know, karaoke on Thursday night. So, you know, before you, before you realise, you're doing, you know, four days worth of drinking per week, and even though, you, you know, I was young, I was early 20s at this point, you know, it's, you're having fun, all your mates are going out. It comes a point where you think, no, that I'm, I'm, no, I'm doing this because I'm hiding a deep unhappiness within myself. 
And I didn't realize this at the time. It took me a long time to reflect back on that period and to really see that I was going through a shit time and that, you know, the drinking and stuff was just covering up all of the, the mess I had with the business and stuff that was going on in my life. Um, like I knew that they were going to leave the, you know, the people involved in the business that, you know, we're going to leave elsewhere and go and open up another business and stuff like that. And, you know, because there was a lot of stuff going on. I won't go into it too, you know, too much, but um, I basically made, made choices at that point to start selling drugs. So I started selling drugs uh, to, you know, to a few friends and, you know, I wasn't doing it for a long period. It was only a couple of months and I was doing that because I knew they were going to go elsewhere and, and leave the business. And I felt, I thought I was, I stood to lose a lot of money. I thought I stood to, uh, you know, be, be, a, you know, hit rock bottom and all this. I was basically, you know, making up this whole scenario about what was going to happen when the business failed and when they left. And if I, if, if it, when it actually came about, if it wouldn't have been that bad, you know, looking back and I think, why the hell did I do that? It wasn't even, it wouldn't have even been that bad. If I sat there and worked it out logically, but when you're going through depressive thoughts or when you're going through a bit of stress and struggle, it's difficult to see how things are really going to pan out. You know, we always think worst case scenario. And, you know, that is just our, that's a protective mechanism, isn't it? You know, it's our, uh, it's, it's the, you know, the, what you call it? Um, I don't know, the, the, the prehistoric human brain, which is kicking in and it's like, ah, oh, you know, you, you everything's going to go really bad because it's trying to protect us and get us ready for, you know, these different eventualities. But like I said, you know, a lot, 90% of the stuff we think about doesn't come true. So, you know, I was selling drugs for that reason and I ended up getting caught. So I got caught walking into a nightclub and I, you know, got arrested. And I think, well, I, I was in this prison cell for about three days i think so it was like 10 o'clock on a saturday night and they left and let me out after court on the monday um about 3 p.m so i was in there for quite a long time was, was that two days i think yeah pretty much two days and i was basically then i had to go to court again, again like a month after that but you know I, I obviously you know you're in there for a long time i had a lot to think about at that time you know i went to court and i was just in this my head was in the clouds i didn't know what was going on for that four week period, I was drinking probably five days a week, something like that. You know, I'd be going to the pub uh, with my mates again, thinking, oh, you know, it's just a social thing. But, you know, when I was having, say, two, probably two pints, and then I was for the third pint, because I knew, because um, of the drink driving laws, I didn't want to be over the limit, but I'd be drunk, having two pints, and then I'd be taking, getting another pint, and then taking the third pint home with me in the car, and then just drinking it, you know, in the house. I've got about 50 pint glasses downstairs, you know, with, uh, <laughs> from that time uh and at the time I saw nothing wrong with that you know I knew I was kind of going through a bit of stress but I was trying to block it out by drinking and by you know trying to maintain this social you know social thing uh but anyway I got sentenced to prison I was there I got sentenced to 28 months in prison which is yeah, two years four months uh and I served nine months actually inside then uh you know in, inside of a prison so I was in closed conditions for five weeks so six weeks and then I got sent to an open prison and so I was very fortunate because it was my first offense it was a non-violent crime and because of the length of it so at the you know I was in closed conditions for a good couple of weeks and then they sent me to an open prison so you you know you're uh, you're after a couple of months you're allowed to visit home for a few days uh there's no fences uh so it's just like you know out of bounds signs and stuff you can't obviously go out of bounds but you know there's it, it was a lot better it was I was quite lucky and quite fortunate to to have had that sort of you know positive experience in in a sense you know I mean because it was a lesser 
uh, what's the way of putting it? So it was not, I didn't, I, you know, even though I got, I got sentenced to that amount of time, I think the fact that I was in an open prison, I think that was probably like a fitting sentence for it. Cause like I said, it was just something that I was caught up in and, you know, it didn't really hurt anybody, which is, which is positive. So, you know, all, all in all, it was uh, the best of a bad situation. I made the best of a bad situation, if that makes sense. And, you know, that, that was a very low period though, as you can imagine. So, you know, as soon as I walked through those doors and I, you know, I got to the, the wing where they, you know, my room was and I got into the room, they locked the door that's when you know it really sets in and you think okay <laughs> this is day one and that's how I chose to look at it I thought right this is day one this is day you know this is rock bottom where I am right now every single day from here on out is going to be that little bit better it's going to be that little bit you know that one day closer to freedom it's one day closer to um being able to chase my passions and and the different things that I want to do with my life again. But, you know, like I said, the, the, the mindset I was in when I initially got that, even though I thought, right, this is ground zero right now, this is rock bottom, you know, I've got to just move on from here. The, uh, the mindset I had initially was like, I fucked everything up. I've hurt my family. I've hurt my friends. I've let everybody down. I've been seen, I'm seen as a failure. I'm seen as a scumbag. Um, people are going to be talking about me and thinking I'm this, I'm that, and they're going to, I've lost respect and all of these different things, you know, were were going on in my head and it's, it's hard for that not to happen. I think when you're in that situation, but what I soon realized, and I think I I realized this from picking up a book when I was in prison, I don't remember what it was called, but it was around positivity because I used to be very, I would say very pessimistic or negative person which is, you know, if you look at the stuff I'm into now, it's, it's you couldn't be further from that. I couldn't, couldn't be further from that. But that's, that, that took for me to really challenge myself and thought the thoughts I was, was experiencing. And I, obviously the situation I was in at that time as well was a major reason in why I was so pessimistic and so negative. As soon as I got myself out of that situation and, like I said, started to rebuild from the, the day that I decided to pick up that book in, in prison, that was when I really decided, uh, you know, I started to turn my thought process around and started to become this new person who was more positive. And, you know, like I said, I started to realize that those thoughts, you know, I'm a failure, I'm a scumbag, people are going to think X, Y, and Z. None of those served me. All of those scenarios, and unless somebody physically came up to me and said, you're a scumbag, or I think, and these other people think that you're a scumbag, Unless I actually get that kind of validation from somebody, the rest of it exists in my head. So I was just creating stress and worry over nothing, uh, you know, just over how I thought people were going to perceive me. Mm-hmm. So, you know, as time went by, I did, so in, um, when I was in prison, I did a, a qualification for substance misuse or working with people with substance misuse, understanding the different drugs and, uh, you know, a, an addiction as well. So I, I read a book called... Chasing the Scream by Johan Hari, which gives you a really deep understanding and different perspective on addiction and people who are addicted. Um, and also how we can, as a society, manage people, you know, well, manage addiction and the people who have addiction, addictive uh, things, manage it better than what the way we currently do. Canada are actually really good for that. Um, there's a part of, I think it's on, I, I, maybe Ontario, 
Ontario. Yeah, but there's there's one place in Canada where they've got like a safer injecting clinic for people who were taking like heroin and things, and mm-hmm. uh, you know they give them a different level of support uh, and and guidance essentially, so that it stops. It, it breaks a lot of the cycles, I think, with addiction. So that, anyway, the, the book talked about that in the course, and I learned a lot more about that as well as, um, you know, did a various qualifications for counselling and things like that. And I also, uh, when, when, I, when I came out then, um, I got a job within a few days. Uh, I think a year later, I bounced around a few jobs. So I, I worked in call centres and stuff. And again, that was, I was very anxious at that point because I realised I was, I went back to you know drinking you know two or three times a week when I was just going out with friends and um, going out with the staff that worked in the uh, the call center because it was a very it's a big environment for that in a call center. There's a lot of stress, a lot of pressure. So people, it's not it's not uncommon for people to go on a Wednesday or a Tuesday afternoon. Oh, should we go for a pint on lunch? You know, and then you'd have two or three pints and go back to work. And do, do you know what I mean? That those sort it's mm-hmm. it's not a very it's not a good environment to to grow, to grow mentally, to, to grow physically and to be healthy and things like that. It's, it's not, it wasn't, it didn't serve me that well, but I did realize that it was only temporary and I knew that I was going to work past that, but I ended up working in the substance misuse sector a year afterwards, helping people and mentoring people who had had either existing or previous mental health conditions, uh, or, you know, or with different anxiety, depression and things like that. So I was working with them and trying to help, sorry, help them get back into you know training employment and things like that <clears throat> and that was the first time where I started to really discover do you know what I I've got some sort of uh I've got something that I can give to people here you know just from my own experiences um my ability to listen to people and how I can choose to structure my responses in a way that's going to help them and I, I, I started to realize then that that was something that I wanted to explore more I ended up being back in the prisons, then delivering courses and workshops for a couple of couple of months, which was quite weird. You know, when you're, you're walking back in the place you were, I was there like a year prior, you know, and all of a sudden I was able to go in, but then walk back out on my own terms. And that was quite a weird thing to go through. But at the same time, it was very inspiring for the people there. And they said that to me because they were kind of like, wait, you were sure not a year ago. And you're back in now and this is what you're doing. I'm like, yeah, you know, and that gave a lot of people a lot of hope in there because they started, you know, it's a, there's a big thing in prisons. You think I'm not going to get a job. I'm not going to do this and that. And everyone's going to think I'm this and that, you know, like a scumbag or whatever. Everybody keeps tend, tends to think the same stuff. So it was, I think it was very helpful for them people at that time. But fast forward, I, I set up a load of different businesses over a couple of years then because I, I, didn't work with I didn't like working within the organization I was in doing that so I went back and set up a, a company called Better Gentleman so which was a men's clothing store uh food delivery franchise um an online clothing website so I, I did this over the course of about two years um I went back work, work, work so I went to work back in a university then uh which a lot of people think is impossible once you've got a criminal record, but, you know, I was able to get in the university and I worked in really responsible roles for around 14 months. Um, I ended up having to leave because it was only a fixed term contract then, but I went to work in another university, so so prestigious university, Swansea University, and I was helping students in quite a senior role to set up businesses, be more entrepreneurial and delivering lectures and you know, things like that around entrepreneurship. And I thought, I, was, I, I kind of had this realization when I was there. I was like, 
how the hell am I doing this? Like, who put me in this in this position? You know, I, I was literally a couple of years ago, I was in prison. Now I'm able to stand up and lecture in front of 60, 70, you know, students or a couple of hundred students and, you know, de- deliver these different you know topics around entrepreneurship and helping them to set up businesses. I was like, this is just crazy. But that was, you know, I, I started to realize I'd come full circle from everything that had gone on. And like I said, this was, this was the start of where I started, you know, I, I had got through the struggle and now I was starting to really discover who I was as a person. And what, what is what, one of the things I want to mention as well, throughout all that period um, for, so while I was in prison and, uh, and for like a while afterwards, I had a partner. So, you know, she was great. She stuck with me through all of that. And, you know, we, we were together then after that as well, after, um, you know, I came out of prison, you know, but I, after about a year or so, I started to realize like we, I was growing apart from her. We would, we would heading in different trajectories. She had a vision for her life and I had a vision which was different. And I think anybody who's maybe listening to this and has, is potentially in the same situation, you know, they, they might've recognized that, you know, sometimes you, you notice this resistance and I, I like, I pretty much knew that I needed to, to end things with her because I was prolonging her future happiness. And I was also, not the prolonging, yeah, but, you know, prolonging, I was putting it off basically. And also with mine, you know, I was, I was stopping her from being, you know, chasing her passions and dreams. And also I was doing the same for myself. So I made the choice to, uh, to, to break up with her. And like that, like that was, you know, that, that was, you know, all in all, that was a good decision because of a lot of the stuff I'm doing now, a lot of the people I meet right now, wouldn't have been possible because of, you know, I wouldn't have potentially been in situations mm-hmm. had I still been in that relationship. So it was, you know, like I said, that was, a, that was a big um, growth, um, a, a, cho- a, a choice I made, which basically prompted a lot of growth uh, for myself and, you know, and, and, and everything I was doing in my life. But like I said, to, to bring you back up to speed, um, the job with Swansea Uni, I finished in October. And, I finished in October and I pretty much knew that I, even though on paper it sounded great, like I've just explained it to you and mm-hmm. it probably sounds like a good job, you know, it was a good <laughs> pay, you know, it sounds like a really good job. Uh, it was very much aligned with everything I thought I should be doing. Um, but it was, you know, I, I wanted, I didn't like the, the structure of the university, the organization. I didn't, I was micromanaged as well. Um, and I, I really, I, I got to the point where I had a massive mental block on. So this was last year when I was working from home, even though I was in a great mental space, I could not send an email. I couldn't, you know, I, I, I didn't even, I was even making up excuses like my connection in the internet is playing up and stuff so that I couldn't go to a meeting with my manager because I just, you know, I was micromanaged so much. I had a really bad relationship with my manager and I, I just physically couldn't do that job anymore. And I thought in my head, I was like, I need to leave. You know, I don't know how I'm going to find another job that's paying me 30 grand a year, which, you know, which is a really good uh, income, you know, in the city I live in. But I was like, I have no idea how I'm going to find this. Um, you know, I'm doing something that's like relatively good, you know, in terms of what I'm passionate about. But I ended up making the choice to just leave. Um, and to I wanted to I wanted to do the coaching. And I knew I wanted to fully submerge myself in my own business. I wanted to help people um, through whatever challenges they were going through in life. I wanted, and also you know, move people forward in their professional life as well. 
Uh, I wanted to be doing more of the talks in front of people, um, doing stuff like this. I wanted to do my own podcast as well. And they, they, I just kind of started to realize the things I wanted and also the things I didn't want. And I didn't know how the hell I was going to earn an income from it and, and make, and make it work. But I, I took that choice to leave my job. I ended up finishing two weeks later. So I only had my last pay slip. I didn't have any savings. I didn't have any, you know, financial backing. So I started like, you know, I just put it out there. I was like, right, this is what I'm doing now. Um, I picked up a few clients and I uh, went and I worked for like delivering for a takeaway, for a food takeaway place, just for extra cash and things like that over, over a few months up until around just after Christmas. Uh, and since then, then I've been pretty much just working for myself, um, you know, doing the coaching, the talks and, and workshops and things like that. And, you know, it was the best decision I've ever made. And I know people, it's almost like, it's like cliche, isn't it? You know, people say like, oh, I know it was the best decision I ever made, but, you know, it generally was. And I, I realized that uh, I, I knew that I knew it was going to be the case before I did it, but I knew it was going to take a while for me to see that and for other people to see that. But you know, like, yeah, that, that's pretty much led me up to date now to all the different stuff I'm doing. So, you know, the sea dipping, the running, the ideas, ideas and beers, um, all, all of those things, they, they've come from that story, you know, but yeah, we can talk a little bit more about all those now, if you, uh, mm -hmm. if you want, I've, I'm aware I've just talked for quite a while there. <laughs> oh, I, Holy shit. <laughs> that's, I think that's a, an amazing way yeah. to put it. I, I am absolutely stunned, like stunned, but in the, in the I, best way. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know how much you knew, to be honest. I knew you knew some of it, but I didn't know how, if you knew the, the kind of the full, the full story. <laughs> yeah. No, like, um, no, I, like none of that, none of the, the prison stuff, like being arrested. I had no idea. Mm. And I mean, that's even so powerful right there is that it, it's just such evidence, obviously, of maybe even I'm not going to say that you've changed because obviously I didn't know you back then. But it's it's just crazy to see what you're doing now and how mm. you, how many people you're truly helping and just hearing that story. Like, I am absolutely blown away, like stunned. What, what I would say, you know, you know, you said there about, uh, you know, about changing. So, so a lot of people say, oh, you know, I, I've changed from the person I was like, I, I, I most definitely have. Well, I, well, I, I'd say I've, I've grown as a person since. So I wouldn't mm -hmm. say that this other person, you know, like, like I said, I was never on, I wouldn't say I was on a bad road. I wouldn't, I, I was making some bad choices at that time, but I know full well, like, cause I was actually, <laughs> as I got caught I was actually trying to get rid of the last stuff I had so that I could stop because I wanted to stop I actually left the business I went to work in a call um well it's like an insurance company um uh, so I went to work there and I actually started really enjoying it so I was like oh my god I'm all of a sudden I'm around positive people again so I was like I, I don't need to do this you know the, the drug the selling drugs so I was trying to get rid of what I had <laughs> and you know and I was just I went out to a nightclub literally trying to get rid of the stuff I had when I was out there with, out with a few friends and uh I ended up getting caught so you know it was quite it was quite funny because like I say it was not I didn't feel as though I needed a change as a person and I don't feel like I changed you know prison changed me as a person I think it just helped me grow mm -hmm. so um you know that like I said yeah I think that that's probably an important point for a lot of people because a lot of people might think you know it, it, sometimes it's easy to get caught up thinking we're bad we're a bad person and that's not always the case it can just be that some people make bad choices 
under certain circumstances and that's no reflection on the person they are it is just that they're going through some stuff and they're making some choices that you know don't align with who they are as a person and and that's kind of you know a lot of the stuff i preach at the moment is you know discovering your why discovering your purpose for not just life but anything you know why are you in that relationship what's your why for being with that person what's your why for the job you're in you know what what's the purpose of it is it just money but okay so what do you need money for what's your purpose of having money it's finding those deeper meanings for it behind everything because i think so many people are caught up just doing stuff for the sake of doing it or for the sake of money and you know i think that's a road too deep you know deep unhappiness in some cases not all cases but some some cases because you've got a lack of clarity about the the reasons for doing things and and like i said i, I now i can look at the stuff i was doing back then the selling drugs and that doesn't <laughs> that doesn't align with my values it, you know that's not helping people mm-hmm. um and so i know that now and you know i can kind of tailor the things that i do so oh i'm only doing the stuff that i've you know i've got a value for or brings value to other people essentially mm-hmm. but um you know and, and like ideas and beers so i'll talk i'll talk a little bit about that obviously i've got my own Absolutely. podcast ideas and beers, uh, podcast so i've had people on from all different walks of life just to you know we, we've talked about mental health we've talked about business we've talked about you know health well-being fitness um uh, spirituality dmt you know psychedelic drugs you know yeah. we've talked about everything you know um and the idea of that was to, like I said, to get those positive messages out there for people to increase the kind of knowledge that's out in the world and also to help these individuals to share their stories and to, you know, to try and help people and, and, and you know, promote themselves, do what they want to do. So like put, they, they're, everybody's on a journey, you know, everyone's come on that podcast has got something to share. You know, and that's that's what I really wanted to do is get those those stories out there, like much like yourself with with this mm-hmm. podcast. But you know, we've got the ideas and beers community as well. So that was literally three of us sitting in a bar, um, having a good conversation. Uh, we were actually looking to set up a book club. Um, one of the guys, camera, he was he wanted to set that up. We were talking, having a couple of drinks, and we were like, these sorts of conversations need to happen on a bigger scale. And, you know, we need to, you know, this, this, this should be a community. It should be a worldwide community of people that can come together. have got these same sort of interests in self-development, you know, they, they want to you know, be interested in self-development, sorry, or want to increase their, they want, they want to increase their own development uh, and meet others in the process. There should be a community for that, you know, and we kind of pretty much set the community up from that. We started running events, uh, you know, and just bringing people together. And it turned into something amazing. Uh, we've like, so now I've just started to kick, th- kick things off again from next week in Swansea with ideas and beers because we've had the lockdowns. Um, it, during the lockdown out in Bondi Beach in Australia, uh, you know, two people have set up uh, an ideas and beers out there. So they've run three events out there now, which have gone incredibly well. Uh, there's going to be another one in Gold Coast soon out in Australia. So my friend Sarah Maxwell, um, she's, you know, she's going to be setting one up out there. So it's, you know, it's incredible to see that one little conversation in a bar, you know, which has turned into something now, which is which is hopefully going to grow into something amazing and connect a lot of people, you know, who are on the same wavelength around the world. Because I, I truly believe that community has the answer to the majority of mental health issues we have face in society, specifically depression. Um, so Johan Hari, the book I was on about earlier with Chasing the Scream, 
He's wrote another book called Lost Connections, uh, which is here. And he, that's very much what he talks about in this book. Oh, cool. Is, you know, the, 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 he talks about the fact that as a society, we're like very much disconnected from our origins. So, you know, I, 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 you know as primates or, you know, in, in our, earliest, our earliest form of civilization or, you know, earliest form of humanity, we would come together, we would work together and that's how we were strong because we were intelligent and we had, you know, strength by numbers. You know, we had people around us who could do different things. They were strong, some were fast, some were good with, you know, healing others and all, all this different stuff. We worked together and, you know, and bounced off each other. Whereas in today's society, even though we're more connected than we've ever been through social media, through the internet, how often do you, you know, go out for food and you'll see, you know, look over at the table next to you, for example, and every single person's there on their phones, you know, and they've got that disconnection <coughs> with people around them. You know, I think it's, it's difficult now more than ever to form really deep, meaningful connections with people. And I think that is potentially where, you know, a lot of people are, you know, are facing, you know, it's a, probably like a starting point for a lot of people uh, feeling isolated and, you know, feeling disconnected. Uh, and then when you get, you know, depressive thoughts and things like that, you know, sometimes you start to pull yourself back and think, oh, you know, people are, you know, thinking I'm this or people are talking about me or nobody likes me. And, you know, you pull yourself back further again and almost that kind of enhances the depressive thoughts and it makes you feel worse. So, you know, I, I do think that having communities of people who are on the same wavelength of you, as you is honestly one of the greatest things we can do for our own mental health and physical health. Um, so I told you, you know, with the Wet Bandits, the C-Dipping community, you know, like last, last year in lockdown, literally a few of us started going to the beach, you know, doing a workout, doing a beach clean, getting in the sea. And it was great, you know, and all of my, we, we, I was promoting it on social media and stuff and you know, more and more people started coming and now we've got, a, you know, an amazing community of amazing people mm -hmm. from honestly, like such diverse backgrounds, you know, we would have never met had it not been for this, these circumstances and that everybody's incredible, you know, they've all got their own individual reasons for, you know, starting the sea dipping and, and coming along and, but the community that's grown from it is just unbelievable because it puts everybody in a natural state when you you know you're freezing cold in the water, and you know it's lowering people's cortisol level, you know, heightening them initially, but it's, it's essentially lowering your stress levels overall. So you're a lot more chilled out, you know, you're a lot more um, happy, and <clears throat> I think it's allowed people to deal with their own issues in in a very in a very positive way. And then the fact that they've got community there as well that that's the real lifesaver. That's the real you know, beating heart of the, the wet bandits. It's not the sea dip and it's not getting in the ocean, even though that's incredible and I advocate it for everybody. It's the fact that you've got a community of people there which are all ready to fully support one another and help one another. And, and that's, that's for me, that's one of the greatest things we can do is, is find those people who really, who really get us as people and really, you know, they don't ask you to change. They, you know, don't try and get you to, to be someone else they just accept you for who you are and they love you for who you are and i think that's that's the same thing with a community is the same thing you know it's the same thing as a, as a with a partner sorry as it is with the community so yeah yeah no that, that's so cool i mean i was always really curious and intrigued on how you came up with the whole c-dip idea and 
the reasons as to why. Oh, one sec. <coughs> oh my gosh. Um, Funny enough, it was never an idea, mind. It was literally, it was, it's, it's, it, it was strange because, you know, with every other business and thing that I've done, it's always been, oh, you know, oh, I should start doing this, you know, and this, this, you know, the seed has been planted almost, mm-hmm. you know, like ideas and beers. Yeah, we, you know, we were like, oh, you know, this, this is the seed, you know, let's set this up, let's do this, you know, with the coaching even, you know, oh, oh I want to do this. This is, you know, something I'm going to do. And then I just went with it. I'd say it's the only thing that has just naturally occurred, but it's turned out to be one of the greatest things that, you know, I've ever had a part in playing to, you know, to, to create, mm-hmm. because like I said, me, uh, Dan Sheehan, one of my, my close friends, my other my friend, Chad Punchard, you know, there was us, I think it was us three started going down and you had Sam Keefe. Um, if he listens to this, he will, he'll give me a, uh, he'll be tamping if I don't call him the vice captain of the wet bandits. <laughs> so that's a shout out to Sam Keefe um but you know he started coming along we all we were doing workouts and, and like i said we we had other people coming along then um you know in the mornings and this was during the lockdown as well so the gyms weren't open uh you know but we still had na- access to the, these natural things like the beach thankfully uh even though we were told not to in the uk we were actually told we're not allowed to go to the beaches and things like that which i and i i didn't i'll be honest i didn't listen to it because i think rules are only there as a guideline and when the rules don't make sense for your mental or physical health i think that's when you've got to really take matters into your own hands to a certain extent um you know because I, I essentially going to the bit beach on my own i wasn't risking anyone you know i think that that's the way i kind of looked at it some people will probably disagree but um you know i feel quite strongly about that but like i said we we had a lot of people then which were coming along getting in the sea you know we'd get a takeaway coffee afterwards you know from different places and you know right the way throughout the winter we had some really cold days but that brought everybody closer together because we're all going through the struggle at the same time and that's that's a really interesting thing my friend sarah maxwell actually um which i mentioned in australia so when we caught up uh, you know a couple of months ago you know she said uh, she made an interesting point, you know, when everybody's in a very, like a survival state, you know, which is, you know, which you are when you're in the cold, your body's going into that kind of, uh, you know, that natural survival state. And it's pushing all the blood to your core organs to try and keep you warm and keep you alive. Uh, it's very difficult to think uh, about what you want to say when you're, when you're in that state as well. You have almost like a bit of a brain fog because your body's trying to just focus on keeping you alive. But what's interesting is it takes away the barriers and or breaks down the barriers between people. So, the, you know, it doesn't matter what job you've got. It doesn't matter what car you drive, what house you're living in, how much money you've got, what your parents do, you know what you've achieved it doesn't none of that matters when you're in the scene you're all freezing you're all in the same boat and that is in, in, in an incredible way to build community because all of a sudden you know status and circumstances don't matter the only thing that does matter is the fact that you're all in the same boat right now you're all on the same level and i think that's why you know i think that's a primary reason why this community is built as amazingly as it has and, and grow, you know grown to to such an extent um but yeah, that, that, that is, yeah, I think that was the point I was trying to make. <laughs> yeah. No, that's, uh, that's so cool. I, I, I totally agree though, when, and my little light bulb kind of went off from my little aha moment when you said that there's so much power and um, even just the community that's formed when you're all going through the same thing. 
Like when, mm. when you're standing there and you're encountering the cold and they're encountering the cold, you know, that feeling, you know, what it's, you know, what it's like, and you can relate. And that's something that is so powerful. I think in everyday life is when you can relate to somebody. And I mean, that's why I love having conversations with people. Why I love sharing people's stories is because it really does allow people to relate and also see that, Hey, you know what? Like life can get hard. Like some, some stuff's not always easy. And, um, some stuff is very relatable to going into us in the sea and doing a sea dip and it sucks. It's not always the most fun, but there's always something that you can take away from it. And, um, you can always learn from it. You can always grow from it. You can always even get stronger from it. And I, I think just like, like you said, just building that community and being able to relate to people and leaving all form of basically, I don't know how the best way to word it is all form of like materialistic things or things that don't necessarily matter um, aside and focusing solely on who somebody is as a person and their personality and the fact that they're there and they're in the water with you, that obviously says something. And that's, mm -hmm. that's what is incredible to see. And that's what forms a community. It's, it's not the, the money and, the all these things that bring people together the, the it's super, the superficial things in life exactly yeah. no exactly. I, I, the the other interesting thing with you know the sea dipping in particular in the winter is it's this you know it's uncomfortable it, it's not a pleasant experience even though afterwards you feel amazing you feel great because you feel cleansed especially if you're adding in the cold throughout the winter throughout the winter you know you if you're in there for a couple of minutes you're getting the added uh, benefits of the cold therapy you know it's just flushing your system and you know there's a lot of different physiological things going on at that point you know and that is like i said that's that's a great way to feel better physically and mentally in that sense but the act, the act of doing it itself is quite uncomfortable. So, you know, you're, you're waking up, let's say, for example, with us, uh, us lot in the mornings, you know, we're waking up early, maybe maybe 6 a.m., 6.30. Uh, we're driving down to, a lot of us don't live that close to, to Langland where we dip. So it's probably 15, 20 minute drive for most people. So, you know, we're driving there in the morning. So we're going to, you know, get out of the car. Maybe some days it's raining, some days it's cold, some days it's just murky, some days the sea is rough or, you know, you've got to walk over rocks to get in, uh, you know, into the water, um, you know, and, and it's, you know, and you're going to get back out as well and you're going to warm up. And so it's a lot of it is very uncomfortable. OK, and mm -hmm. some people don't get that. A lot of people, you know, are like, well, why would you want to do that? That's just some shit, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but this is where I think. You know, David Goggins talks quite heavily about this. You know, you've if you start getting comfortable with discomfort, you start putting yourself through these these things that don't. You know, they, they they might bring you joy afterwards, but at the time they're things that you don't really you know want to do. Mm -hmm. You're you're starting to build this mental resilience. You're starting to build this tolerance to the shit that life is going to throw at you. So mm -hmm. let's say you know somebody cuts you up on a junction, you know, normally your reaction is, oh, this motherfucker has cut me up and, you know, and, and kicked off about it. But you've been going in the sea every day throughout the winter and you've been facing these, you know, really sort of horrible days, these cold days and all of this discomfort. And you've consciously been choosing to do that. 
uh, you know, over the course of time and you're, you're getting a little bit more comfortable with the idea of putting yourself in these uncomfortable situations, you know, even though it's a totally different context, when that happens to you then, when that car, you know, somebody cuts you up at a junction in the car, you might really respond that little bit better. You might kind of go, ah, you know, fuck him. He's cut me up, but I'm not going to let it ruin my day. You know, I'm not going to react to it. There's there's that slight change in your mentality. And like I said, that's just one example. It's a completely different context, but it's surprising when you push yourself through these different mental battles, when things happen, then which are generally outside of your control, or maybe something happens and you did have a, a part to play in it. You maybe you made some bad choices and it caused that discomfort in your life, that you know, horrible situation to happen. All of a sudden, if you're consciously putting yourself through that, those discom that discomfort, you you're a little bit more prepared for it. So how you perceive that situation and how you deal with it might be a little bit better. And I think that's one of the key takeaways, you know, from, from that. It's the same thing with the running. So, you know, obviously <laughs> with the, the, the ultra marathons that I do, the, there's different reasons why I do that. Some of it is ego driven. So I do like the idea, you know, of being able to put myself in these you know, situations and do the distance you know, that a lot of people are not willing to do. And I know that's a very egoic way of looking at it, but the other aspects of it then are one to like, you know, like we've talked about already to make sure, sorry, to, to help people realize that it's just, you know, I, I'm a, I'm a regular bloke, you know, I, I don't train that much. I've been generally, you know, fit and good at running and stuff like that, but mm -hmm. I, I, you know, I, I drink, you know, I eat crap food. My diet's, you know, not the best. Um, I, you know, I do get pretty good quality sleep and I try my best too, but now and again, I, you know, I sacrifice sleep and I'll get below six hours and stuff like that. So like, I'm pretty regular in that sense, but then I'll go and try and do these ex extraordinary things. And I think that's the, the more message I wanted to promote to people with a lot of the runs is that you are able to go out and do that. You don't have to be an extraordinary individual. You don't have to be a super athlete. Like, don't get me wrong. It's, if you're doing hundred miles, if you want to try and do hundred miles, your body should be conditioned for it because you're going to be less likely to have an injury, less likely to, um, you know, to, to hurt yourself in different ways. So, you know, that, that is, it's good to prepare in that respect, but it's also important to realize that you are generally the only thing standing in your way of success in whatever area, you know, if it's like a physical barrier, generally, like I said, it's, it's us just going, do you know what? I can't, I can't run a half marathon. I can't run a marathon. I'd never be able to do that. And I used to say that, you know, I did loads of half marathons, but I was always like, oh, I'm not ready to run a, half, a full marathon yet. I'm not fit enough. I need to be doing this, this and this. And I, all of a sudden, one day, I was listening, it was David Goggins. I was listening to David Goggins and I went, fuck this. I was like, I'm signing up for a marathon. I'm doing it. I'm just signing up for it. And I signed up uh, for two. I did two within a month. And I went, after the first one, I went, hang on. I've just proved myself wrong even though that was horrible to go through, I've done it now. So what else can I prove? You know, what else can I do? What, you know, how far can I go with this? And I, I did the 35 miler, then a 40 miler, then a 50 miler. Uh, and obviously went to try to do the hundred miles. Then the other day managed 70 for the people listening uh, before I completely broke down. Like my body was, I couldn't even walk, <laughs> um, you know, hallucinating and yeah stuff like that but i went back out the two days afterwards and finished it off then so did the rest of the mileage with with frankie who you know had on the podcast the other day and yeah you know that that's 
like that th that was obviously a fundraiser but it was also um like i said that was a, um, a major challenge for me because i was like i want to prove to myself that i can do this distance and and i want to prove to other people that you are able to go out and like if i can do a hundred like go out and do 70 miles you know you can go out and do a 10k or you can go out and do a half marathon or whatever your goal is it's i i hope i was hoping that it would give people that little bit of perspective to think you know what if he's able to go out and run that much i can go out and run this bit here and and, and to be fair that is the response they had i had a lot of positive feedback you know people saying like they, it's inspired them to go and do this this and this and i was like that's great this you know that that means that i you know the message i was trying to send with a lot of it is 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 true so yeah but like i said you, you go in when you do that kind of stuff you're going through a horrible you know mental battle it's not <laughs> nice you know and physical physical and mental battle but you learn about a, a lot about yourself when you're putting yourself through that sort of discomfort and that sort of pain um you know i i think when we we burn out on a run and we're like oh my god i'm fucked you know i can't go any further uh, you're only like 20 30 40 percent max of the way there you know you've got a lot more to give and for anyone listening when i was on that 70 mile when i tried the 100 miles i i had to stop at 26 miles for about 15 20 minutes i was completely fucked 44 miles i thought that was game over i didn't think i could carry on running uh but then i somehow managed to bang out another 26 miles from that and finished off at 70 you know and that was the game over point then you know <laughs> the cold set in the muscles were just stopped working um but yeah for anyone listening like i think just just keep on challenging your, the, yourself keep on thinking do you know what i'm capable of a lot more than i've been giving myself credit for in the past or i haven't been giving myself enough credit in general you know a lot of us kick ourselves down kick, kick ourselves down um you know and we never we're never really grateful or giving ourselves a pat on the back for what we are achieving and what we, and for what we have done. If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I was, I was like, for those that are listening, don't know the whole backstory about it. Like I, again, I don't know how on earth I really stumbled across everything that you were doing <laughs> and, and the race in general, but as soon as I saw it, and as soon as I saw, like I said, the message that, you were really running for and um, just again, your energy and everything that you were doing. I was, I was hooked instantly. Like immediately I was hooked and I was like, all right, I'm following this and I'm following it deliberately for the next few days. Like I am going to be head deep in all of this. And that's exactly what it was. Like I remember it was constantly, I just be like, Oh, I wonder, I wonder where they're at. I wonder, I wonder what's going on. And so I was just, I was waiting for all your stories to come in, waiting for new <laughs> posts, waiting for updates. And I mean, even through that whole process, like you would have never known. And even myself, like I never knew how much you were struggling in some of those moments. Like you just chipper, happy, go lucky, stayed, <laughs> stayed awesome the whole way through. And I mean, like you're, some of the stuff you're posting is hilarious. And you're just like stopped at McDonald's on the way. Like it was just I, ridiculous. But it, again, I like, I think that that was, a, do you know what? If that I, for, for, if for any reason, the uh, people who were working at McDonald's are listening to this, uh, <laughs> I just like those chicken nuggets, 
they they were they saved my life. They, they were uh, we had 20, 20 chicken nuggets and we just hammered them in me and the guy I was running with on that segment. Oh, I was uh, yeah, it was it was good. <laughs> yeah, it was it was ridiculous. But no, seriously, like even just watching that and seeing that, it obviously it it motivates people. It motivated me, but also it's what it really does i would say more so is that it really overall boosts my mental health like i said and i think it did that for a lot of other people as well and when you can see somebody again deliberately putting themselves through pain and you can mm -hmm. see them struggling but you can also see them keeping a smile on their face there's something so so powerful in that and there's something that i think every single person can take away from it and i think what it can also do is allow people to get very introspective within their own life. And I mean, for myself as well, I was, sometimes I was sitting there and I was like, Oh, I don't want to go out on my, on my run. And then I'd look at your story and I'm like, okay, well he's 70 miles or like 60 miles in and he's still smiling and laughing. I was like, I think I can go manage, I can go manage a short one here. So um, no, but it's <laughs> like, it's just incredible, incredible. Yeah, it, was, it was it was quite strange actually because like i said i you know at 26 miles i was beaten 44 i was completely beaten and everyone was looking at me and they were like you know because we that was the halfway point you know in, in my uh, mate's house in newport um and we we stopped and they're all looking at me they're like how the fuck are you going to finish this and i was in my head i was like this yeah i don't know <laughs> You know, because I was being realistic at that point. It wasn't like I was trying to be, you know, knock myself down because I was like, I want this. You know what I mean? I want to complete this, but I've got to be quite aware that my body and my legs are, are really in a bad place and I'm not even halfway through. So that was like, I, it, that was a very realistic moment where I rested up, had a cold bath, um, you know, had some food, ibuprofen gel and did a bit of yoga and stuff, put some fresh clothes on. And I went back out and I felt fresh. Like I went back out and finished, like I said, got, you know, another 26 in, but it was only weirdly enough. I, I think I was at 60, 65 miles or six. Yeah. 65 miles, I think was my last kind of stop. So we had a, the cars stopped with us like early hours of the morning. Um, I think it was like two in the morning or something like that. So they stopped with us. We were having some food and a bit of rest and I, I, I put some more blister plasters on and things like that. And uh, I was like just singing and kind of, uh, you know, proper, like optimistic. So what, like one of the girls and one of the boys were there. They were like, how they're like, we're all knackered. Like, how are you in such a good mood? And I went and I was like, honestly, <laughs> it is quite weird. I said, I feel fine. I don't get what's going on. I said, I feel really good. And that was at 65 miles. Right. And it goes to show how quickly things can turn because uh, by 66 or 67 miles, I, my, I started to go some re like some, some real pain. And, and then the last three miles, I couldn't even walk. Pro well, I, I couldn't walk properly. The cold had set in. I started hallucinating. Um, you know, I was shivering quite bad, violently as well. I had to put like my dry robe on, which is you know, a big furry coat. Um, and I was still really like, I was at risk of hypothermia, I'd say. Um, and then it got to the point where my muscles started spasming, which is generally a lack of oxygen, which is getting to the muscles. And when that happens, of the carbon i think it's because of the carbon dioxide buildup in the muscles that can actually um uh poison you so it's called rab does something i think i so from what i understand i think that was probably a very early onset of that which can kill you uh so that is generally that sets in a lot earlier in people who 
haven't got muscles conditioned the same way as an athlete would. So that's why an athlete, someone who's conditioned their muscles, could put themselves through that and not experience that sort of breakdown. Whereas me now, like I do run quite a bit. I did train and things for it, probably nowhere near as much as I needed to. Uh, but, you know, like I said, the conditioning wasn't there to probably get me through that. Um, and then that, like I, I physically couldn't walk. I thought I got 30 miles left. That's going to take about 12 hours. And I was like, I have not got 12 hours in me. Uh, and that was when I, I decided to throw the towel in then. But like I said, it was it was a great learning experience. It really was. And like, I think you've got to keep, you've got to keep your spirits up. Uh, I think as soon as you start kicking yourself down, saying, oh, I'm fucked in this and that, and you, you've got to be realistic, but at the same time, you've got to try and be optimistic within yourself and pause and remain positive. Cause otherwise not just with running, but in any situation, like I, I give this example with, with some of the workshops I do, if you're delivering a workshop in front of somebody and you keep saying to yourself, I'm going to fuck this up. I'm going to make myself look an idiot. Everyone's going to think I'm an idiot. You're being negative within the thought process you've got at that point. And you're more likely then to bring about that situation, which you don't want, you know, and then you're going to, if it does come about, then you're like, I knew I was going to mess it up, you know, <laughs> and then you're kicking yourself down even further, you know? So I think there's a really it's a really important point to make that when you're doing something or you you know if you catch yourself being negative try and flip it to a positive and just constantly remain positive as, as much as possible like people talk about toxic positivity you have got to be realistic in some situations you know because uh, toxic positivity is is a thing to be fair you know if someone says I've got terminal cancer for example and you say oh you're going to be fine <laughs> you know you know that's not really it's not going to help somebody that's toxic mm. positivity then because you know it, they don't need to share that right, right now I, I think there's, there's different ways of dealing with it you know but remaining as positive in as many situations as possible is one of the best things you know you can try and uh adopt i would say in terms of mm. bettering your life bettering your mindset and uh, and then also bettering the circumstances in your life, you know, the situation, like when you're delivering a presentation, like when you're going out and doing a run, you know, maintaining that positivity is so important. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. No, absolutely. I, I, and just taking, even like you said there, but in your everyday life, I think that is just, it's crucial. And I think, I, I don't know if you're a big person into the whole manifestation thing, but like, I personally, I personally am. And I, I believe that you can manifest your life in negative ways and positive ways. And it comes down to a whole bunch of different ways, but especially like you said there and the example you used of if you have a big presentation to, to give and you're constantly telling yourself, Oh, I, I hope I don't mess up. I, I hope I don't do this. I hope I like you're basically, you are manifesting that you're going to mess up because mm -hmm if you're not going into it, like, yeah, I'm going to kill this. I'm going to do great on it. Then mm. chances are there's going to be something that comes up. And if you have one little slip up, you're probably going to get right into your head. And I mean, that's something I've noticed in my life a lot that I've had to um, definitely kind of grow through. And um, even with the podcast and stuff, there's been times when I'll start talking and I'm like, what am I, what am I saying? Because you just, you lose train of thought and it's, and then it's a downward spiral. But um, obviously when you can remain confident and when you can just remain confident in all those abilities that you do have and um, literally just like you said, just kind of manifest, um, manifest positivity throughout your life and 
just really stay on stay on a positive path uh, as much mm. as you possibly can or as much makes sense as, yeah, as, right it, it's, it's it's difficult yeah it, it does take you know a lot of effort and a lot of you know time i think to adopt that sort of you know positive frame of mind mm. but you know it's an important one to try and adopt and catch and, and catch yourself out when you're you know when you're living your life to the contrary because it's it doesn't you know negative thoughts are not generally going to serve us you know um even if we think we're being realistic a lot of the time sometimes there is realistic the, the realism can help situations but you know positive positivity is what's going to carry you through those situations i think one of the things you talked about but i want to add on to that so you know you said about manifesting so like uh, the way that i kind of look at manifestation is when you go to tune a radio in if you tune that radio to a particular frequency um that is you know you're going to get that radio station aren't you right so let's say you know in the uk for example radio one bbc radio one you know if you tune it to whatever it is 99.1 or 99.5 you're going to get radio one okay because you've specifically tuned it to that so i think when we talk about manifesting particular things I think for someone listening, the way to look at it, 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 you know, to grasp the concept of it is if you're tuning that radio station to, I don't know, classic FM, but what you really want to do is listen to Radio One, you know, that's obviously it, it's it's different. It's not, it's not gonna, it's not the it's not the channel you want. So for, like to give another example of that, I think I did a shit job explaining <laughs> that. One. But, but if you if you want to uh, be a better runner for example, mm -hmm. but you go in and, you know, you're cycling, it's, you know, going to get you fitter, but fitter in a different way, you know, and you're not going to be building up the sort of um, conditioning that your legs require and your joints require mm -hmm. to be good at running. You know, it's slightly, it's a slightly different channel. What if you, instead of running, you sit at home eating pizza uh, and drinking milkshakes and not running at all and just sit there and, and, and you spend your nights binging Netflix, right? Not, not that there's anything wrong with that, but like I said, if your goal is to become a better runner, but then in the time that you should or want to be, you know, say you want to be going out and running, you're doing this other particular activity, that's a completely different channel, you know? And mm -hmm. I think the way when you talk about manifestation is if this is the channel you want to tune in on, but this is the channel you're actually tuned in on, that's going to lead you on a completely different path. You're going to be listening to a different radio station. And that's the, you know, the kind of example I wanted to give with that. I think uh, that can be dangerous. Like you said, you know, it can lead you on negative spirals and it's down to the smaller individual choices and thoughts that we, you know, the choices that we make based on the thoughts that we have. Um, and again, it will, it does take a long time to, to realize that I think, but I, I know personally from my experience, you know, stress, the stress I was going through and the wanting more money. So like, I, you know, I was like, I don't have enough money. I need more money. Um, you know, I'm standing to lose money because my business is going to fail. What should I do? Oh, I'm going to sell drugs because it's a way of actually bringing in more money and, and making sure that I'm not in a bad a place financially. So the fear of loss, you know, that those sorts mm -hmm. of things, I was tuning my channel in uh, based on the circumstances in my life at that time, I was tuning my channel in on a channel I really shouldn't have been uh, listening to, if that makes sense. Uh, I think that's, yeah, I think that's, that's kind of how I look at 
manifestation anyway i don't know if that's going to make sense to people but fuck mm-hmm. it you know <laughs> yeah exactly no no it, it <laughs> no it, it makes sense it definitely makes sense it makes a lot of sense to me um, yeah no it is uh yeah i think there there's again like I, I feel like i always come back to it but i just say like there's so much power um or you kind of have so much power in in what you're capable of and what you can do i think you seriously determine every last thing that you will do i mean obviously there's always going to be factors that get thrown into it and and life is life and there's going to be struggles and everything but i just i truly believe that there's no reason why you can't do something or at least set out to do something and uh you've kind of you've proven that yourself and i mean i don't know and i said this when we last spoke but i don't know a single person who probably would have ran or who would do what you did run 70 miles and then get out there the next day and the next day to finish the whole hundred. I don't know a, a single person that would put their body through that. Cause I can only imagine what that next day felt like after the 70. I just, I, yeah. it was a actually, storm I can't imagine. Well. It was a storm as well. It was the worst weather I've ever ran in. I'm not even joking. It was horrific. Like I think I said to you when we spoke the other day, you know, I couldn't even get back to my car cause the wind was so strong. Like I was, when I, when I decided, right, I'm going to run 17, so I've only got a half marathon left to do then the next, on the last day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was trying to get back to my car, and, you know, there was such a strong wind coming in. I think it was like a 60-mile-an-hour wind. I jet, I was trying to walk or run back to my car, and the wind was pushing me back. So I was like, I had to literally go, like, the long way around <laughs> this state so that I came like basically into the wind <laughs> the wind was pushing me back to my car because i couldn't go that way so you know and i was trying to i, I, oh, I obviously i was trying to do that with my legs completely battered but like, like i think it's worth adding that you know that is some people might think you know that's stupid or sadistic or whatever and maybe it is but you know the the reason why that that at that point there was two reasons, you know, I wanted to, I, I knew I didn't do it in one go and I know I'll go back out and I'll do the full hundred on at, at a later date. But at that point I was like, do you know what? I've promised everybody who's raised money or, you know, donated money to the charity who have put their belief in me, who have came and, you know, supported on the day and things like that. And beforehand and sent me all these messages of support. I owe these people 30 miles <laughs> and they're going to get them. You know, that was, that was one of the, main driver for me i was like it weren't i was showing off because i didn't even t- i didn't tell any of the guys who came and supported me the days before uh i just sent a photo while i was out running and i said you know you're getting these 30 miles and they were like and they came out looking for me then there was a few of them trying to find me <laughs> like, a couple of them in the cars they seen where my last story was and they came it kind of drove past they were beeping oh, and whatever and that's like you know that was amazing to, to receive that support but like i didn't do it for that you know i literally like i wanted to to say, look, do you know what? I gave you these guys, you know, I said I was going to give you these 100 miles, you're going to get them. And also to myself, I, you know, I, 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 I want, I said I was set out to do 100 miles. And even though the game plan was to do it in 24 hours, I thought, well, you know, it, it's perfect. It's in a perfect example or an analogy of life. Sometimes life is not going to go the way you want. Your plan is not going to go the way you want. Quite often, that's the case. Mm-hmm. So you've got to revise that plan. And I think that's where resilience comes in. It's, it's, you know, when plan A fails, you find a plan B. When plan B fails, you find a plan C. And that's all that was. You know, it was 
the first plan didn't work, but I said 100 miles was the distance. And even though it's not in 24 hours, you're still getting it. And and, and I went back out and done it. So, yeah, that was uh, <laughs> that was the kind of thought process of going back out. But it was, yeah, it was painful. <laughs> Very painful. <laughs> yeah, I can only imagine. Oh, my God. That is insane. Um, a couple... Actually, before the, before I jump into the last couple of questions, I do want to ask, um, how much money did you end up raising for mental health awareness? So we are at, so we've got a fundraiser event on Monday. So, uh, you know, we've got a lot of people coming along. We've got a, a raffle where people can enter the raffle. Um so I'm hope and, and I know it'll be on the day and also online as well. So uh, I'm hoping that we can bring it, bring in a couple more, a couple of hundred quid, uh, quid more. Uh, but I think if, as it stands, plus you know, without including, like I said, the, the fundraiser event, now we're over 7,000, 7,000 wow. pounds. So I think we're at 7,400 pounds altogether. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, like I said, if we can bring in, you know, maybe, 200 quid 300 quid on the night that'll be seven and a half to seven thousand six hundred that we bring in totally then uh you know for a local community interest company and they're doing incredible work you know they really are so uh like in uk there's a shortage i'd say of, of mental health services so like you know, if you go to a doctor and you say you've got anxiety or depression or ptsd you know or any number of different mental health conditions and you require, you know, a psychologist or a counselor, you're on the waiting list for around two and a half, three years sometimes. Wow. And you think, yeah, you, you know, you, you think about someone now who's going through a really challenging time, someone who's experiencing, you know, suicidal thoughts, for example, there are services you can access, you know, there's different charities that you know, it can help you out and, you know, get, get you different levels of support. But to actually see a counselor or a psych, you know, a therapist and things like that, you know, and you, if you haven't got the money to pay for it privately, you're waiting for a, a long time. So what she has done, Emily Fender, is is honestly incredible. So she's kind of bridged that gap. Uh, so if somebody is referred from a GP for anxiety or depression and things like that, uh, if there's a two and a half year wait list for a counselor, they can say, right, I'm going to pass you through to this organisation. This is their these are the circumstances. Do you know what I mean? They fit into your criteria, and then they will uh, fund for a private counselor, a private coach. So I, I you know, I, I deliver some of the coaching for certain um, you know people through it as well. Uh, you've got various different coaches as well as different therapists. They also help people. I think with if they uh, if they need clothes or if they need. Um, what else did she say? I think it's like if you know food packages. They they do a number of different things. It's essentially just getting people the support that's going to help them that, that they feel is relevant to boosting their mental health at that point. So you know, and, and like I said, she I think she said to me yesterday, they are you know two and a half or two and a half years is the average wait list at the minute uh, for mental health services with like you know the GPs. They have had no long, I think the longest person someone's had to wait to access a service with through them so far is two weeks, you wow. know, so that's some, yeah, it's a wow. big difference. Yeah. It's a big difference. So that, and, and that's, that's why I'm, I feel really passionate about that, you know, what she's doing because, uh, you know, somebody can come to me for coaching if they want, but not everybody, you know, I, I can't, unfortunately, I can't do everything, you know, for, I can't do everything for free because I've got to try and make a living for myself in the process you know i wish i could uh but this is why i like doing things like this you know having the opportunity to come in here because you know it's 
giving a bit of an insight into how people can maybe make like their lives better through my podcast as well um you know th th there's different ways that i you know i put out content on social media you know that if people digest that and but they take something positive away from it and it makes an impact on their life that's my job done you know i, I feel great for that then because like i said it's allowing me to um you know it's, it's allowing me to, to live whilst providing you know on a larger scale but you know with, with stuff like what emily's doing that's getting services at the, you know sorry access to services to people who you know can't afford to go and pay for a counselor and they can't pay afford to pay for these different things um you know so the people who are at providing the services are still you know making a living while this person here is getting the support they need when they need it and i think that's just such an important you know type of service to have so you know that that's why i feel really strongly about that you know and, and the work that they're doing mm -hmm. yeah they, they sound amazing like that's just that is i can't well first off i can't believe that two to three years to yeah. seek professional help or counseling like that is insane and honestly when you said that all i was doing was reflecting back two to three years into my past and i was like yeah i i couldn't imagine like if i was just getting in to see somebody now yeah, i is, like that like I, I, yeah. yeah like i i mean obviously kudos to kudos to them for stepping up and making a change and making it happen and um, I mean, two weeks as opposed to two to three years is a massive, massive difference. And obviously it's making a big difference. And yeah, yeah. again, like it's crazy. It's just, it's so crazy. It's yeah. The UK insane. is, uh, yeah, the UK is, is this, I mean, I, mean, I, I don't, you know, there, there are great uh, mental health services out there. I do think that there is a lot of work to be done though, uh, you know, a, a, a hell of a lot of work, you know, and I can say this cause you know, I'm not kind of, uh, I'm not tied to any of the services, you know, so I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not like a, a like a, I'm not <clears throat> a nurse, for example, where, you know, mm -hmm. you're, um, you're registered to, you know, to a body in that sense. You know, I do think that th there's a lot of work to be done by like the local authorities. So the councils and things like that, I do think there's, um there's things that need to be changed you know from a governmental standpoint when it comes to how people access services uh relating to mental health and i do think they have made a positive impact or positive step forward in the last couple of months i think they appointed a uh there was a guy he's a doctor but he's uh, he was on a pro, uh, love island he was on love island the tv program so you know he's a he's a tv personality i think he's got over a million followers on on instagram but he advocates massively for mental health and he's also a doctor you know so he doesn't need to be a doctor probably because he's earned you know he's, he's earning good money through his like tv appearances and the different things that he does but it's because he loves what he does he's doing um and they've kind of had him now to be I think he's the ambassador for mental health or the minister for mental health. I, I don't know exactly the title, but, you know, they've kind of put him out there now um, so that he can kind of coordinate with the government and, and to try and change legislation, but also come from a medical background so that he's able mm. to, you know, speak from experience and not just be like, right, you need to change this and this. He can actually say, right, this is the issues we're facing. This is the data and, and speak about it from that sense. So I think they've made a positive move with that. Um, but it'll be interesting to see the fallout and to see what happens with it. And I think, you know, in the last year in particular, um, 
<laughs> so the Samaritans, which is a, a suicide prevention organization, they have, you know, data statistics of, for example, how many people have committed suicide, how many people have accessed, you know, for um they've they've called them with saying they're going to commit suicide, all these different things. They've got all the all of these statistics. And uh, you know, I've had it on good authority that the, the data that they usually have access to relating to the amount of suicides there have been. So I'm guessing it's, you know, who accesses that services uh, or, you know, and then, you know, the police, how many suicides they respond to, that data has not been provided to them, or at least it wasn't when it was supposed to have been. So they, no, we didn't have any clue, uh, you know, in Wales or the UK, like how many people were actually committing suicide during the pandemic, during the lockdown, because, and, and, I, and I'll speak freely when I say it, I do think that we would have realised quite quickly that what we were really you know what, what we were trying to you know do the lockdowns for and trying to protect people from probably wasn't the main threat i think there's a lot of underlying stuff when it comes to you know suicides mm -hmm. and i think they would have quickly realized even though they're dealing with one pandemic they're starting another one mm -hmm. uh, and, and and again it's, it's difficult because we were going through a massive um challenge as a society and they had to respond some way, but I do feel that the response that was taken was definitely disproportionate, or at least should have been done in a slightly different way. There should have been extra support given to, to the services that were helping people with their mental health at crucial times. And I don't feel that that was the case. Mm -hmm. No, for sure. I, yeah, I mean, I totally, I think it was, I even, I think it was about maybe a four, three or four months ago now, I, I kind of made a statement actually and put out there publicly that basically the suicide rate was, um, it was, well, one at an all time, all time high. And it also at the point that I made this, it was like, it surpassed the COVID rate, like death rate as well. And which just absolutely, well, it took me by surprise but also yeah. it was just so sad to see how many people are actually being impacted by this. And I mean, we see it everywhere nowadays is how isolated people are and almost the fear that's instilled within them to even mm. connect with people on a personal level and like face to face. Like yeah, you, yeah. it is, it's, it's sad. Like I personally think it's, it's so sad. And as one that loves being around people, one that loves having good conversations and smiling back and forth. It, it sucks when mm -hmm. one, like where I live anyways, you have to wear a mask everywhere. And that's mm. just, I, I hate that. And then you, you can't be around or in big groups of people. You have to keep it so minimal. And there's just, there's so many things that are really Ooh, taking that. away. Yeah. And it's taking away from like our overall value of life and, I just, I think sometimes we, sometimes I don't, I don't want to get too into it, but like, I think that <laughs> it'd be great if we could all just um, get back to connecting with each other and having these mm. great conversations. Yeah, no, hundred percent. It uh, Like it's that, that's, like I said, this is the whole reason why community for me is one of my, my biggest values, connecting people with each other. So um, I do think that it answers it, it answers a lot of the kind of issues that we face in society. And unfortunately, the last year, uh, well, not even the last year, it's been happening for a while, you know, the media 
that all of a sudden, you know, we've got, um, let's say, like, you know, terrorist attacks, you know, let's say so we get terrorist attacks and then they, the way they portray it in the media causes a divide between different religious groups or different ethnic minorities. You know, then you've also or different cultures, you know, then you've also got um, the way that, uh, you know, the, the, so the, you know, Black Lives Matter movement. OK, you know, the way the media portray that, then they say certain things and they know how to, to do it. You know, I think everything is predicated lately in the last couple of years, especially upon separating people to break down you know these societal um connections and i i, I don't know i mean like the, 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 a lot of these movements they are so so important you know so i'm not trying to take anything from that but i think the way that uh the media and the world set tend to put things out there you know in particular to sell newspapers and to sell things online they know that by saying something which turns people against each other you get more engagement on you know the website you get more people reading the articles more share it more shares and then they're earning money in the process because they're you know pulling people apart and i and you know i think when you realize that it's like i, I hate digesting news i don't listen to it i don't watch the tv uh because i do feel that that it's so easy to feel it angered by stuff that is happening in the world because they make money off people who are unhappy and what and are pissed off with one another and hating on each other and that's not the way a society should be um you know so i i do think that you know we've been separated for a couple of years or a while since the media have been you know doing things like that and then i think when you talk about covid as well and the lockdowns we've been told physically to stay apart which mm -hmm. you know obviously initially that they, they were like right you know this is what we need to do because this is how we deal with this situation but you know what is absolutely you know actually happening at the same time then is even though we're physically apart you know we're also mentally apart we're and we're you know our physiology and our mental you know, cognitive state changes when we're around people that we love or we you know connect with at a deeper level and you know and it changes in a positive way when you're not getting those those intimate connections and stuff you're going to feel divided in yourself you're going to feel lost you're going to feel disconnected and that is a breeding ground then for anxiety for depressive thoughts for you know any number of, of, of mental battles that people go through and I, I think you know for, for a lot of people anyone listening I'd say the first protocol uh you know when you're feeling a little bit out of sorts is think when's the last time you hugged somebody when's the last time you spent that time around people that you really you know connect with and love and in, you know and you're you're not divided or like distracted when you're with them like on your phone for example and things like that uh i'd say that's probably the first protocol you know is, is to to find that or to figure out if you if you need to reconnect with people or reconnect with mm -hmm. nature you know that that's the big one as well mm -hmm. no, yeah definitely and i mean even for myself i hate it when when i meet somebody new and you almost you second guess if a handshake is proper yeah. <laughs> or if you you second guess yeah. if, if you can give somebody a hug and when it's almost this big hesitation and i yeah. just i i like again i hate that so much because i am somebody who has always in my life loved shaking people's hands loved connecting with people loved um kind of just feeling the the vibrations of the people that you're around and um sometimes that is with like human connection and um physical touch like giving somebody a hug is that's so powerful and there's so yeah. much to be said in something like that and it really sucks when you are somewhere and you're like yeah 
oh, but you can't. And then, then they'll, they'll show you their elbow or they'll give you like a little fist pump. And it's like, what's the difference? What's, what's the big difference? If you're, if you're still touching elbows or touching hands, like let's get back to that, like embracing people and like mm. physically, but also from like a bit of a mental standpoint as well, where you just get to, you get to be around these people. You get to actually connect with these people. And um, yeah, I, I mean, we could probably go on about because, COVID because. For, for a while. I think we're kind of on the same standpoint right now with that. Okay. But um, <laughs> I do want to ask you, what would be your, your biggest tip of advice to somebody that is struggling with mental health or have any form of struggle in their life? Okay. Uh, so I, I think I touched upon it just now briefly. I would say as a starting point, if you feel lost or if you feel like you're in a rut uh, in some way in, in your life, if you're going through struggle, um, I would say the first port of call is to connect with the people around you who really bring you joy. So not just people, not just superficial friends, not just friends you, you know who come for a pint with you. Maybe sometimes that is what you need, but you know people who are there for you and will you can speak to you can give a hug to and you know and they, they're there for you with your interests at the front of their mind uh, I'd say that and reconnecting with nature as well so like you know if you're feeling lost if you're feeling you know disconnected think about the last time you went and seen a sunrise or a sunset uh, you know think about how much is when's the last time you actually went and spent some time in the sun and getting that you know the, the, the rays from the sun and the vitamin d when's the last time you walked in the woods When's the last time you went in the sea or in the water, um, you know, or breathed in fresh air, especially if you're living in a city, you know, people outside of the cities, not so much because you get a lot more of it. But, um, you know, I think we get so caught up in the life that we are, you know, building. So, you know, the, the life, that, the job that we're in, the relationships we're in, you know, the stuff that we're piling on top to our schedule of our schedule. We get caught up in that so much that we forget sometimes who we are and, and really just simplify things because i think we're we're we're, uh, we're we're not complicated beings or we're no we're complicated beings but um sometimes simplicity is where at the, all of the answers are lying you know i think that I, when we say something like the best things in life are free it sounds cliche because it's said a lot but the ironic thing is it's true you know the sea holds so much um benefit for people who regularly get in there or just get in there in general it's like it's got in a cleansing properties being by the seaside in general if you're not lucky enough to, to to live by the sea you know there's definitely rivers there's definitely lakes around you just walking by them and listening to the sound of the water you know listening to it and listening to the birds tweeting and you know feeling the warmth of the sun on you being mindful of your environment you know and trying to just you know, immerse yourself in it a little bit more often. I'd say this is a great starting point for anybody who's who's going through some stuff. And to, just to add on to that as well, like like I said, the you know, fight the community, surround yourself with those positive people, reconnect with nature, um, but also reflect on you know, re reflect on what you've got going on. Whether you need to journal it, whether you need to you know, talk to somebody else about it. Um, you know, a, a good way is just if you've got a lot of stuff on your mind write it all down on paper you know write it all down on paper and then burn the paper afterwards you know get rid of it release that negative energy and the stuff that's whole you know you've got on your mind for some people it'll be better to say it 
to someone else or speak to uh, you know your, your phone, do a voice note or a video, um, and then just delete it afterwards. Some people will be writing it down. You know, everybody's got a different way, and physically as well. Um, just just go out and if if somebody needs to release tension, some people are like they're very kinesthetic in the way that they deal with things. So like they might need to go out and hit a, a punch bag. You know, it's 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 essentially finding what things are are a good release for you, and and then trying to do that as much as possible and do the th do more of the stuff that makes you happy. And just do less of the stuff that you don't and like i said that won't happen overnight but it is something that over the course of time will start to change your life and to mold you as the individual you want to be rather than who you are right now uh if you feel like you do need to make changes you know and, and that's all, like I, I can promise people that's all i've done is just find more of the stuff i enjoy do more of that and then figure out ways to uh, that I can do less of the stuff that I don't enjoy, and and that and that's it. You know, like I said, that it's it it is as simple as that, really. Yeah, well, it's not simple. It's 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 as simple to say as that. To do yeah. it is slightly different. You know, it's slightly harder. But you know that that's that's the advice I would give. Mm -hmm. That's yeah, no, that's incredible. And do you um, do you have a quote or a saying or something that has shifted or shifted or shaped your life in any which way? Uh, so this is one of mine, actually. I put up a post on uh, I put up a post on Instagram a couple of weeks ago, and at the bottom of it, I put a quote in there. You know, just I, it, I didn't even realize I didn't call it a quote at the time. It was just like yeah. I put it in the post, you know. Uh, but the girl I'm seeing, Ella, she uh, you know really resonated with her, and she what she's done, she she wrote it down on a bit <laughs> of paper in my house and just left it there for me. You know, she put it down with the date that I put it in. I, I put the post up and stuff, uh, just as a nice little thing, you know. And she left it there, and uh, I kind of seen it then, and I was like, "Did you write this?" And she was like, "Yeah." Um, but it's we all have the key to the best version of ourselves. It's hidden within us. Chip away daily until you find it. Damn. Uh, <laughs> wow. World-renowned author, to say the least, right? Uh, yeah, no, I, it's, it, like, I, I don't know. I, I thought that's the, what, when you asked me for a quote, I thought, you know what? You know, that, that's, that's the one that sticks out. Like I said, there's, there's a load of quotes which resonate with me. Um, but, you know, that is, yeah, I feel, I feel like that one is just is simple enough that anybody can, think, can get it. You know, and it's not. It's not over over complicated. There is one poem. I'm not going to recite the full thing, actually, but you know, you can uh, for anybody listening who you know, who, this is a it's probably one of the best poems of all time. Well, it actually was voted the ninth best poem poem of all time by Robert Frost. Um, it's called "The Road Not Taken." Uh, should we? Shall I recite the? Sure. Yeah. 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 Might as well. Okay. okay. Well, you know. So. <laughs> Two roads have diverged in a yellow wood, and sorry I could not travel both and be one traveller. For I stood and stared down one as far as I could to where it bent in the undergrowth, then taking the other as just as fair and having perhaps the better claim, because it was grassy and wanted wear, though for the passing there had worn them really about the same. And both that morning equally lay in leaves no step a trodden black. Oh, I kept the first for another day. Yet knowing how way leads on to way, I doubted I should ever come back. I shall be telling this with a sigh, somewhere ages and ages hence. Two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less travelled by, and that has made all the difference. And that, I like that poem is, uh, I love reciting that, because my uh, English teacher, 
um, Gareth Williams. He uh, he made a big impact in my life, and he always used to um, recite that poem. And it never really resonated with me until a few years ago when I stumbled across it again, and I went, "Fuck! I've been living my life this way since school, and this is how I live my life. Like I always look for." you know that road not take or less traveled by even when i'm running you know literally mm-hmm. running on road less traveled by or <laughs> milk whether it's mentally as well i'm always trying to just just walk that road that you know less people have walked on and that's just the way i want to live my life um and i think that's where you start to discover the the tr- your, your true nature as a human being as a person you know and your purpose is when you start to you know walk that road less traveled by stop looking at what others are doing and just start doing you mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Beautifully said. Love it. <laughs> um, what's what's next for you on your agenda? The running, the the everything. Yeah, I mean, you have an event on Monday, but do you have yeah. any any long long goals, or just taking her one step? Have, so my, my my kind of mission is to positively impact ten million people's lives in some way, and you know that that's the the overarching goal I've set you know and everything I want to feed into that you know I want to create ideas and beers communities all around the world because I'd love nothing more than to just travel around the world um you know and then know that there's a community of people who are on the same wavelength as me you know in in wherever I I travel on the planet you know that is the vision that I've got for that you know and uh I you know and I want to also really give the world and people the people in it uh, a deeper appreciation and deeper connection with nature because i think we've really lost that within societies uh, around the world not every society naturally just i think you know when you're living in a city and you're not spending much time in nature you know you we lose the connection with it we lose um the importance of of being around it as much as possible i think there's i think ancient civilizations and these you know native communities around the world i think they they get that a lot on a deeper level and i just think it's one of the most important things for us is to have that really deep connection with nature i think it's got a lot of answers for us um so i i want to try and promote that as much as possible through the work that i produce and the things that i do Mm -hmm. that is amazing and i know i know you're gonna do it i know for a fact that you'll surpass the the 10 million mark and because again, just, I mean, for it to reach me over here, I, <laughs> yeah. like, I, I think, I think you've already impacted a lot more people than, than, you know, and mm-hmm. I'm just, again, I was so thankful to have this podcast filming today and talk to you and learn your story. Like I, like I said, I had no idea that your story, I've, like that was your story. I had no idea. And I mean, it was such a, like such a blessing for myself, even just to, to be sitting here and hearing that and have you go into depths about your story and some of the struggles you've encountered. And I just know that you're going to help an insane amount of people. And especially on my podcast and to the people, like, thank you so much. No, and I appreciate it. And thank you as well. And I know that your podcast, like I said, it's, it's going to be, it's amazing. I really love what you're doing with it. Um, I think that, you know, the people you've already that have already listened to it and the ones that are going to are really going to take a lot of stuff from it. Um, You know, because it's an important thing to talk about. It's an important thing to do. Uh, So 
well done and thank you for doing it. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much. Well, we have to at someday, someday we'll we'll make this concrete plan. Someday we will connect in person and sit yeah. down and film another podcast, do something, have a beer together, and we'll we will one hundred percent connect. And I know that we will in the future. And um. But I'd yeah. I want to. Canada's on my list anyway. I'd love to come to Canada. So I mean, the UK is not. There's not much to see in the UK. Well, there is a lot to see in the UK, but <laughs> you know, I think the thought of Canada is probably a lot more appealing than the thought of the UK. So <laughs> yeah, there you go. Maybe maybe we'll even uh, partner up for a hundred miler if I ever get to that point. You never know. Yeah, it's, not, <laughs> it's not an if. It's a when. If you true. Want, if you that's want, you that's it. very true. That is very very true. <laughs> Awesome. okay no, well you're asking me thank you man yeah of course okay well thank you so much for uh coming on the podcast and i i look forward to so our all of our conversations that we'll have in the future i think it'll be awesome likewise awesome man have a good evening a good day right cheers yeah yeah cheers thanks so much for listening to another episode of struggle create strength i hope everyone enjoyed ryan's story and i highly encourage you to reach out to him and have any form of conversation with him He's an amazing person to talk to, a great mental health advocate, and overall, just a super, super genuine down-to-earth person who is always open for a conversation. So I highly suggest that you utilize him as any form of a resource. And if you do want to reach out to me or potentially come on the podcast, you are more than welcome to at Struggle Create Strength on both Instagram and Facebook, or you can also reach me on my website at strugglecreatestrength.com. All podcasts are posted on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, Facebook, and additional posts are posted on Instagram as well. And like always, a huge thank you to all of you who are continuing to share the podcast and continuing to share all of the episodes because it makes a massive, massive difference and you truly are potentially saving somebody's life just by sharing the podcast. And I know that sounds extreme. I know that sounds intense. But it's true because I've had people reach out to me and tell me that. So please do keep sharing the podcast, keep sharing the episodes because seriously, you never know who needs to listen to one of these stories. You never know who might need help because there's a lot of people and I'm one that can attest to this. There's a lot of people that really do keep their struggles buried deep down inside and they need something like this podcast. They need a little bit of encouragement. They need to see somebody else being vulnerable to maybe even give themselves that little bit of a push to be vulnerable themselves, to seek some help. So please do continue sharing this podcast, the episodes, as it does make a big difference. Now, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Struggle Creates Strength. And just remember, everyone has a story. <laughs>